Hey, you can be seated on your way down. Find someone next to you. Tell them that you are glad that they are here. I got that straight. While you're doing that, I'll look online here into that camera, tell people who are joining us online, we're glad you're here joining with us to worship Jesus and grow in our faith. Thank you for tuning in with us. Hey, if you have your Bible with you this morning, turn to Romans chapter 12. And while you are turning there, allow me just to uh, up, update you on a couple of things and invite you to something really special. First, I wanna just update you on the launch of Rev City Christian School. It launched successfully on Wednesday, September 8th, and we have an amazing, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's just amazing, the kids and the families, the staff that God has put together, it's obvious that God's laying the foundation for something significant. And something else that's been amazing is to see families in the church and in the community begin to give generously towards the launch of Rev City Christian School. And so I wanna say thank you to those of you who, who have been stirred in your heart to support the launch financially. And I wanna also inform you as a church family that because of the generosity of some families, we've been able to establish a scholarship fund. And we want to first um, extend that opportunity to Rev City Church families. And so if you have a kindergarten through third grade student and you would be interested in them being instructed and educated with excellence in a Christ-centered environment, I'm just telling you, with an amazing staff, it's just been amazing to me to just see, and such a joy to my heart to see the kids going up and down the halls as they go to lunch and as they go to PE with Coach Hammer right here, and, and it's just awesome. And so if you would be interested in, in your child potentially becoming a part, and if finances have maybe been part of the reason that there's been a challenge, or if now that it's launched successfully, you're interested in more information, would you contact us? You can call the church. You can email Dusty Willard, our director. He's right here. Email dusty at revcity.com. We'll set up a time to connect with you and see how maybe that scholarship fund can be a blessing to you and your family and to your child. How many know our children are our most precious resource? Amen. Worth investing in. So thank you for that. Hey, before we get into God's word, also, I want to give you a very special, I mean heartfelt, invitation to you to join us for our Kingdom Builders Banquet. Next Saturday, October 2nd, I believe that is, 6 p.m. We've rented the Jayhawk Club. We're gonna have it at an awesome venue. We're gonna feed you a steak or a nice chicken dish or, if you insist, a vegetarian dish. And Pastor Richard Hinojosa is gonna be our guest. He's gonna be here on Sunday, and I wanna encourage you, mark that on your calendar. I mean, if, if at all possible, be here next Sunday. But he'll be there with us on Saturday evening so you get some extra time and ministry with Pastor Richard. And how many of you experienced Pastor Richard? He's amazing, huh? He's awesome. I mean, really, if you haven't, you need to be here next Sunday. He's one of the most dynamic preaching voices and prophetic voices in the body of Christ today, anywhere in the body of Christ. I firmly believe that. And if you come, you'll see what I mean. But he'll be with us there that Saturday evening. And the heart of the Kingdom Builders Banquet is this, simply to appreciate and honor anyone who serves or gives financially in any capacity to help Rev City Church further the gospel of Jesus Christ and build the kingdom in our community. And so if you have served or given in any capacity, we want you to be our most honored guest next Saturday evening at that banquet. And, 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 and listen, there's not gonna be an offering taken or a fundraiser. It's, it's solely and purely fellowship, food, and, and our way to say thank you for all the ways that you guys serve and give so that people can encounter God and meet Jesus, amen? And here's the thing, last thing, and then we'll get into the word. 
If you're relatively new to the church, or maybe you've just, in this season, God stirring your heart to begin to serve or give, if you even have a willingness or an interest to just kind of start stepping into that, we would love for you to also be at that banquet. And in fact, if there's an interest in serving, a couple weeks ago we had what we do a couple times a year because servanthood is a part of the culture that we want to build through Rev City Church. I believe that servanthood is foundational in the life of every disciple. And in fact, I made this statement a couple Sundays ago. I, I said, the church would do better to stop recruiting volunteers and start discipling people to be servants. It would change the way that we viewed serving in the house of God. And here's the thing, I believe it would change the atmosphere of marriages, homes, and workplaces. If we realize that if we're gonna follow Christ, if we're gonna live the way he lived, we gotta lay our lives down for the benefit and blessing of others. And so I wanna encourage you, uh, um, discover the joy of serving. In the house of God is just a starting point. Obviously, we, that, that heart and that servant spirit affects the way we serve our spouse, affects the way in our, we serve in our workplace. Place. But we have a, a table right out here. A couple Sundays ago, we had, I think, eight or nine tables. We've kind of condensed it to one table, and there's information on that table right out this exit, kind of along the glass of the fellowship hall. And it's your opportunity to stop by and just take a look at all the ways that you can serve and make a difference in the house of God. Express interest. We'll follow up with you. We'll help you find the right place and the right pace for you to serve and help us to uh, present the gospel to others in our community. Amen. All right. Hey, let's get into God's word today. Romans chapter 12. We are actually going to complete our series, This Means War. And the whole idea has been trying to unpack for Christians, for you, for, for me, the reality that there is a spiritual battle over your life. But the greater reality is this, that Jesus, through his death, through the cross, through his risen life, has made a way for you and I in every battle, in every circumstance, in every opposition to discover and live in the fullness of his victory. The Bible is so clear. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Someone say victory. Victory. That's the heart of God for you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. But Ephesians 6 is also clear that there's a reality of a spiritual battle. It says our struggle, verse 12, Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. But that chapter also tells us the pathway to, be, to win those battles and to stand firm, to stand fast. It says, Ephesians 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God, verse 13, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to continue to stand. So there's a lot of people, good people, Christian people who are getting kind of beat up in life because they fail to recognize that there's a spiritual realm over your life and there's an enemy of your soul that would love nothing more than to destroy your life, attack your mind, destroy your marriage, attack your family. There's a reality of a spiritual battle, but again, there's a greater reality that because of Jesus Christ and everything that he accomplished for you and for me at the cross of Calvary, we can stand and live in victory. Someone ought to say amen. amen. We have access to victory, but the way that life goes for us depends. Will we stand firm? Will we put on the armor of God? 
That's the decision for you and I. You know, over the years, I feel like there are several areas that are just really instrumental in determining how much of the freedom and joy and victory and peace of Jesus that you and I will experience. And those three things are the thoughts you think, the words you speak, and the company you keep. The thoughts you think, the words you speak, and the company you keep. The words you speak, that what you actually say matters more than what you say you believe. The company you keep, that if you'll show me the posse you run with, the crowd that you keep, I can look at that group of people and I can pretty much tell the course or direction of your life. The words you speak, the company you keep, young people, young adults, hear me. The company you keep matters. The words you speak matters. What you actually say matters more than what you say you believe. But the third thing, and the one that I wanna dive into with you today is the thought you think, that the Bible has a lot more than you might believe or expect to say about the power of our thoughts, that our thought life, what we think about, what we, what we dwell on, what we meditate on, forms in many ways the way that we experience the levels of freedom, joy, and victory that God wants you to experience in Jesus. And listen, it's, this, is, this is pretty powerful to think about this. We tend in church circles to think about giving our heart to God. Have you given your heart to God? But do you know that the Bible's pretty clear, and you'll see it here in a moment, you know the, these scriptures, that giving our mind to God is one of the ways that we truly love and worship God. What did Jesus say? The greatest commandment, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind and strength. So this is important. I hope that you'll lean in. I hope that you'll listen. I hope that you'll not only listen, but I hope that you'll grab a hold of what the Holy Spirit speaks to you today through this message. Let's pray. Let me pray over you corporately. As I pray over you corporately, I wanna encourage you, man of God. I wanna invite you, woman of God. I wanna encourage you, young adults, to pray over your life. I don't know everything you're up against or going through, but God does. And today, I believe that anything, there's nothing too big or too small for God. He's interested in every detail of your life. He's interested in the big challenges. He's interested in the little struggles. And I believe today that his desire, his heart for you as his child is to come and to encourage you, to strengthen you. In fact, let's just begin to pray and invite him to do that. As I pray for you corporately, would you pray individually right where you sit, right where you are online joining us, and just invite the Lord to touch your life, to speak to you today, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, man, we're, we're so thankful for everything that you've already done. Thank you for sending Jesus. We're thankful for the opportunity. It's a privilege to be gathered together as your people in your presence. Thank you for the way your presence has already just been with us in worship. And Lord, to gather around your promises, which are found in your word. And Lord, we open our hearts to receive what you would have to speak to us, God. And Lord, we anticipate, we expect, that's what faith is all about. We hope and expect, Lord, and we believe that your desire today is to come and to minister to your people, to help your people, to strengthen your people. Anyone today who's up against a challenge in any area of your life, your physical body, a relationship, your emotions, your mind, today I believe the Lord wants to come and he wants to strengthen, heal, comfort, and restore in your life. And we thank you for it today, God. We receive in faith in advance what you desire to do in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives for the glory of God in Jesus' name. And come on, all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Romans chapter 12, verse two. This is a powerful scripture, and here's what it says. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good is pleasing, his perfect will. The New Living Translation of the same scripture says it this way. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person. Some would say new person. By changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. It's good, it's pleasing, it is perfect. Listen, you are saved by grace, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You respond to Jesus, you put your hand in the air, you turn your heart, you confess with your mouth, you are on your way to heaven. But when you walk out these doors, if you do not present your mindsets, your attitudes, your behaviors to the presence of God and to the word of God, you can be on your way to heaven and still going through the same battles and struggles that you've always been up against. Because the Bible's real clear right here. You are transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. Listen, this is, this is powerful. You can be transformed. I love this. I mean, obviously the focus of the message is talking about the renewing of your mind, but I'd be remiss if I don't take a moment and just encourage you that you could be transformed. That Jesus didn't come to just modify bad behavior. That he didn't come to just make you a church attender or a church member or even a servant in the house of God. He, he came to radically transform, completely change, renew, restore, redeem, to make you new. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Here's the good news. If you look in the mirror and you don't like who you've been or become, if there's some struggles, some dark places, some, I mean, come on, some just stuff that you're going through, you need to be encouraged today that you, through the renewing of your mind, can be completely, radically transformed. You can look up one day after you begin to walk out this journey and say, Lord, help me, grace me. When I stumble, help me to get up and keep moving towards Jesus. You can look up one day and not just be a slightly different or better version of yourself. You can be completely made new, totally transformed. Someone ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Woo, I'm saying thank you, Jesus, in my own life. You could be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's time to start thinking about what we're thinking about. It's important, Proverbs 23, verse seven, says it so clearly, for as a person thinks in his or her heart, so he or she is. That's powerful. It's saying the way that you think, the way that you think about yourself, the way that you think about God, the way that you think about the world around you, the way that you think about your spouse, your boss, that is determining the reality that you will experience. I've heard it said this way, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Think about what you're thinking about. Listen, it's important. I, I've realized it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of other people who I've been blessed to come alongside to encourage or, or mentor or disciple or counsel. It's impossible to live a life of victory, and that's the heart of God. We've already established that. It's impossible to live a life of victory with a mindset of defeat. It's impossible to live a life of faith with a mind that is gripped by fear. It's impossible to walk in the fullness of God's abundance and his faithful provision with a mindset that's gripped by poverty. It's impossible to fully enjoy relationships with God and with others, your spouse, your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your neighbors. It's impossible if you have a mindset that is gripped by insignificance, inferiority, unforgiveness, or rejection. And listen, some of you, 
If you realize, man, he's talking about something that I'm dealing with. Some of you are feeling held back, held off, held hostage, in bondage by some of these things. You need to hear something today. There's good news. It's not just you. It's not about you. It's not because of you. It might be because there's been an enemy who has lied to you, deceived you, introduced something that has created a thought that became a mindset, and it's holding you back. And I believe, here's the good news. Today, that place, that thought, that mindset that's been hindering and holding you back can be dealt with by the word of God. It can be healed and restored. You can walk out of this room, and maybe the situations and circumstances will not have changed yet, but you could go out seeing it differently. And how many know sometimes the perspective matters more than the problem? You begin to see it differently and you begin to have fresh faith to walk through, to live through, to go in and to begin to see God reveal his faithfulness even in the midst of a difficult situation. Some of us, you've been struggling, you've been hurting, you've been, and, and some of you, you just need a checkup from the neck up. <laughs> you just need God to just come and help to diagnose. That's where you're thinking differently. You're thinking wrong. I've got higher thoughts. I've got different thoughts. I've got better thoughts for you. Did, did you know, this is powerful. We could oftentimes overlook it, but I've learned that hardly anything in God's word is wasted. When Jesus was crucified, do you, does anyone remember the name of the hill upon which he was crucified? Golgotha. You know what that name means? The place of the skull. The skull is the seat of the mind. And is it possible that as Jesus was hanging on that cross, is it possible that it was by design that it happened on a place called Golgotha because he was saying, I'm shedding my blood for the remission and the forgiveness of sins. But I'm putting this cross on a place called Golgotha because I understand that while it's my shed blood that will get people to heaven, it's the power of a renewed mind that will transform the life that they've lived and will set them free from the lies that the enemy has spoken over their life. You're equipped to win the war in your mind, but you're going to have to be willing to engage in the fight, to fight the battle. Let's talk about what we can do, the steps we can take to practically walk this out, to live it out to live and enjoy greater levels of peace, freedom, victory, and joy in your life. Come on, how many of you could use a little bit more of those four things? Number one, think about what you're thinking about. Psalm 139, verse 23, the psalmist said this. He said, search me, O God, know my heart. And watch, here we see this connection of heart and mind. Heart and mind. Lord, I've given you my heart, but Lord, I need to be healed in my mind. He says, search me, O God, know my heart. But he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. We gotta be honest with ourselves and with God. What's occupying your thought life? What are the thoughts that cause you to not walk in, in faith, but rather in fear? And the psalmist was, was being honest with God. He was saying, Lord, search me. Because here's what the psalmist understood, something that I say often, that when God reveals something, it's always because he wants to heal something. The devil reveals something in you and shines the light on it because he wants to hold you back and hinder you with condemnation, guilt, and shame. But when God's conviction comes, when God's Holy Spirit shines his light on something, when you get real with God, you begin to discover the grace to be set free of it. When God reveals something, it's because he wants to heal something. So you've got to begin to think about what you're thinking about. Number two, you've got to learn to discern. Learn to discern. It's why it's so important to be in God's word so that we can begin to recognize, that's what the word discern means. We can begin to apprehend and recognize, is this thought that I am thinking from God or is it from my flesh or the enemy? Does this thought line up with what God's word has to say about my situation, about my health, about my finances, about my spouse, about my boss, about my church, about my nation? 
Learn to discern. Listen, if it's not aligned with God, if it's, if it's not aligned with his heart, his word, his will, for you or for others, and one of the ways you can really know that is, is this thought causing faith or fear? Is this, is this thought process that's, that I'm walking through, is it causing me to have peace and security and God and his faithfulness and his provision? Or is it causing anxiety or, or doubt? Is this, is this thought causing me to have a positive outlook on life and, and on my future in God? Or is it causing me to have negative, critical thoughts? We've got to learn to discern. Is it possible that maybe as we present ourselves in the presence of God and we dig into God's promises about what he has to say about the power of a renewed mind, that maybe we'll begin to learn to discern and we'll begin to recognize that there have been some thoughts that previously have caused us to kind of fall in the ditch of doubt or negativity or depression that leads to despair, that we can begin to recognize, learn to discern. And once discerning, once learning to recognize, listen, that thought that I'm thinking, again, I just, I just kind of helped you see the process to take it through. Does it align with God's heart, his word, his will? Is it causing faith over fear? Is it causing peace over anxiety? If the answer is no to those things, you gotta learn to discern. That thought's not from God. Once you've learned to discern that, you have to be willing to do what God's word has to say about it. Well, what do we do, Pastor T? Let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll find what God has to say about thoughts that don't align with his heart, his word, his will. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not the weapons that the world is fighting their battles with. Our weapons are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And watch how this shifts, and this is talking all about your thoughts and your mind. Watch this. Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, the things that you know, the things that you know God's word has to say, and the enemy shows up and he says, but you're still sick or you're still broke or the thing hasn't come through or the promotion didn't happen, and the enemy shows up and he says, I, you think you know who God is, but will God, is God really who he said he would be? And is God really gonna come through for you? He says, you gotta, you gotta bring those things. You gotta, you gotta take those things, and watch what it says, bringing every thought. Someone say every thought. Every thought, this is the filter for a renewed mind. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Did you know that not every thought that you have deserves to be thought about for long? And he says, you gotta learn to discern. And when you discern that the thought is not from God, it doesn't line up, again, with his word, his will, his ways, that we begin to discern and we begin to take captive that thought. Listen, it's, it's not a sin to have a negative thought. We all do. I mean, really, I, I believe that, in fact, this whole passage is kind of setting us up for the reality that we are going to face. The enemy of your soul is going to attack your thought life because he knows that if he can get you thinking and believing wrong, he can really mess with your life. So, so he's telling you, he's saying, you're gonna have this thing. It's what you do with it. It's not a sin to have a negative thought. I want to submit it's not even a sin to have a lustful thought. We all war against the flesh. It's what do we do when we have those thoughts? Are you willing to take it captive? Are you willing to take it captive? The Greek word there for take captive is akmalatizo. And this is a strong word. It's a military term that means to hold captive at the point of a sword or spear. 
We talked earlier about the armor of God. Most of it is defensive. There's one that's offensive. What is it? The sword of the spirit. And he says, you take captive with the point of a sword the thoughts that you have when you don't, when you recognize that that thought does not come from God, you gotta take it captive. Don't let it run roughshod in your mind and start to affect the way that you think about God or think about your spouse or think about your future. You better take it captive. The word of God, of God is the sword of the spirit. It's our offensive weapon. We take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Isn't it interesting that those two things are part of the same verse right there? The helmet of salvation, guarding your mind and the sword of the spirit, taking captive every lie, deception, every thought that's not from God. Man, what's the enemy? Where's the enemy been lying to you? Who, who, who has the enemy been lying to you about? Most times it's ourselves, but sometimes it's others. And a lot of times it's God. He's lying about God. What, what, what thought has kind of got you in the ditch? What, what thought do you today need to say, man, Pastor T, thanks for the reminder. I gotta go start taking that thought captive. Here's what I wanna encourage you with. Once you've taken the thought captive, number three is you need to hire a higher thought. H-I-R-E, hire a higher thought. In other words, keep just, stop struggling with that bad thought. Stop saying, oh, I gotta quit thinking about that. I gotta quit thinking about, I gotta quit thinking about. It's a, it's a bad recipe and it's a losing battle. The pathway to really getting victory over that thought once you've taken it captive is replace it with a higher thought. Listen, I, I wanna do something fun, hopefully fun and, and illustrative with you. And I wanna encourage this or, or, or illustrate this principle. And I want you right now to begin to think of an orange horse. Orange horse, think of an orange horse. Start thinking of an orange horse. Think of an orange and blue horse. Are you thinking of an orange and blue horse? Think of an orange and blue bronco. Are you thinking of an orange and blue? All right, now stop thinking of an orange horse. Stop it, stop thinking of an orange horse. You gotta stop it, stop doing it. It's hard to do. We gotta replace a lower thought with a higher thought. Think of a red, yellow, and white arrowhead. Think of a white arrowhead, a yellow arrowhead. Think about it, think about it. See, you just replaced an inferior thought with a higher thought, someone say amen. <laughs> Isaiah 55, eight through nine says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, verse nine, as the heavens are higher than the earth. He's making a comparative statement there. He's saying, you can, you can see this and understand that the heavens are much different than where you stand upon. And he said, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts, talking about God, higher than your thoughts. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you Towards you, not the person to your left or your right, not the elders, deacons, or Sunday school teachers. He says, I know the thoughts that I have about you. Did you ever catch that God is thinking about you? Come on, look at your neighbor and just tell him you're on his mind. Look at him, let me find someone to say, you're on God's mind. You're on his heart, you're on his mind. He's thinking about you. He knows, what you, he knows the times where you messed up and blew it. That's why he sent Jesus. And he's thinking about you. You know the rest of the verse? What are his thoughts? He said, my thoughts are thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Man, someone ought to say, thank you, Jesus. He's thinking of you. You might say, but, but those are God's thoughts, Pastor T. And if I was God, I could think that way, but 
Did you know that the Bible says that you have access to the mind of Christ? 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16 says this, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? He's kind of, kind of owning the idea. Like, Is this really possible? And then going on, he says, we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Is it possible that maybe we've under-realized and under-appreciated and under-embraced this promise of salvation that we have access to as men and women of God? I mean, really, we, we tend to kind of think about heaven and we think about the blessings of God in other terms. This is a powerful promise that we ought to grab a hold of today in a fresh or new or deeper way. You have access to the mind of Christ. I mean, what God's trying to do here and transforming you through the renewing of your mind, he's not just calling you to just think just a little bit better, a little bit different. He's not calling you to think like your neighbor who's a Christian. Or he, he said, the standard that I'm giving you is that you can begin, if you'll spend time in my presence and time in my word, and you'll begin to be faithful with just the little revelations that I give you about what it looks like to learn, to discern, and take captive those thoughts. He said, I will give you the heavenly mind of Christ. How would that change your life? If you begin to see people and see circumstances and see situations through the mind of Christ, that's a good promise. Come on, who's willing to embrace receiving that revelation that you can have the mind of Christ in just a little bit more of a way? I mean, let, let's receive it today by faith. Lord, I thank you that we can have the mind of Christ. That's a powerful promise. Number four is you gotta fix your focus. Fix your Focus. Fix is a word that is in the Bible here in the translation I'm about to read. In Texas, we use fix in a lot of crazy ways. That's where I'm originally from. You know, it's like, it means that you're about to do something. Did you eat yet? I'm fixing to. In the Bible, it means to set or focus upon in a determined, dedicated way. It means to make up your mind in advance. I'm going to attach, I'm going to, att I'm going to tether my attention to something in a predetermined, intentional way. And the Bible says this, Hebrews 3, 1, therefore, brothers and sisters who share in heavenly calling, he's talking about you, he's talking about me, he says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. Woo, I, I don't know about you, but in the last 18 months or two years, I've blown it on this one a few times. The politics, the pandemic, all the things that are tied up within that. He says, don't get tied up in that stuff. He says, you, you need to, he said, you might have some responsibilities. You might need to do some things. There's some things I'm calling you to. But after you've done what I've called you to do and nothing more, he said, don't allow your mind to dwell on that thing. Do what you need to do, but then get your mind right back on thinking about the eternal realities that God is Jesus is Lord over every politician, over every party, over every election, over every sickness, over every disease, over everything that's plaguing our nation today. Someone ought to say amen to that. Amen. Set your mind on heavenly things, not the things of the world. Not the things of the world. What worldly, earthly, temporal things are occupying your mind? that today you could say, I'm taking it captive. I'm taking that space in my mind back. I don't know about you, but I don't have enough to give away to those things. I need every part that I have. <laughs> Set your minds on heavenly things. He said, whatever's true, Philippians 4, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about those things. Number five, you gotta meditate on God's word. 
Joshua 1.8 says, keep the book of the law always, say always. Wear on your lips, meditate on it day and night. Say day and night. So that you might be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That sounds like a good promise. How do you do it? By speaking the word and by thinking about the word. You might say, well, Pastor T, I don't know about this meditate thing. That sounds maybe even a new, little bit new aging. I would say, listen, it's right from the Bible. Here's the other thing that I would tell you is have you ever lied awake at night for an hour, two hours, or maybe half the night, or maybe even all night thinking about a problem or a person? Let me just see your hands. Anyone, anyone but me? Just last night, I was up at 2.30. I was restless. I was kind of tossing and turning. I was thinking about some things that, some challenges and some things that I need to do and all this and that. I'm just telling you, the struggle is real. If you've ever lied awake for more than just a little bit of time thinking about a problem, thinking about opposition, thinking about an obstacle, thinking about a need, thinking about an area of lack, you've already meditated. You were just meditating on the wrong thing. In that moment, he says, you want to be successful, you want to be prosperous in God's kind of way, not the world's, but God's kind of way, because remember, we're not conforming to the pattern of the world. We're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. He said, you want to be prosperous and successful in the way that I've made possible for you to do? In that moment, instead of dwelling on, instead of meditating on, instead of laying awake at night, you ought to begin to just replace that thought, hire a higher thought. You ought to begin to just say, Lord, I forgive that person, and I thank you that you've forgiven me, and your grace is sufficient for for me, and I thank you that you're a God of reconciliation and restoration, and, and me forgiving them doesn't make them right. It just sets me free from the weight of carrying around this forgiveness. And I thank you, Lord, that you will supply all my needs. I'm not going to meditate or dwell on, on, the, on the perceived lack. I'm going to begin to speak and think in faith that your word says that you will provide for your people. Your word says, I mean, come on, just whatever it is, find the opposite promise and begin to dwell and meditate on that thing. And watch how it transforms your life. Even science has proven this out. Physiologically speaking, science has said the the thoughts that you think are affecting even your physical health. That people who tend to dwell on negative thoughts and emotions tend to experience more physical illness than those who have a positive outlook on life or positive mindsets. Science also says that after about seven days of considering a thought, that a a track physically begins to form in in your brain that is forming a memory, and after 63 days, which is about two months, that a mindset has been established that's really hard to overcome. Man, how many of you have thought about something or meditated on something for a couple months? I mean, some kind of a challenge or something or whatever. What if we took the opportunity to say yes to Pastor T's challenge to for two months, for 60 days, begin to dwell on, begin to meditate on, begin to think about the Word of God and watch how it begins to shift and change the mindsets, the way you see the world, the way you see yourself, the way you see God, the way you see the circumstances of life, the way you see your spouse and relate to them in an understanding way. Begin to to meditate on God's Word and watch how it does what God's Word said thousands of years ago, that through the renewing of your mind, you can walk in a better life. This idea that you're physiologically forming these memories and mindsets is good news if you're thinking about the Word of God. It's not so good news if you're thinking about negative things. Common lines, negative things, that you're inadequate, that you're inferior, that you're insignificant. And listen, I I, I want to come against those lies today with the power of the Word of God. Did you know that one of the reasons that humility is so important in the life of of the believer 
is because of just how powerful and significant and amazing and awesome that you are called to be in Jesus Christ. When you hear this list, and it's just a partial list of God's thoughts towards you that he thought enough about to write down in black and white, or in some cases, red letters, to express his thoughts towards you because a thought becomes a word. You gotta think it before you can speak it or write it. These are God's thoughts towards you, and it's a partial list. And you gotta be humble if you're gonna walk this out. But, but just, just think about it. Just let, allow me to read this over you, and I wanna encourage you, would you open your heart your heart to receive that this is God's thoughts, these are God's thoughts about you, about you. And these are just a few of the things that God thinks about you. You're a child of God. You're fearfully and wonderfully created in his image. You're the first and not the last. You're the head and not the tail. You are chosen and you are loved. You're his dearly beloved, the apple of his eye. All these things straight from scripture. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus who gives you the victory. In fact, you are more than a conqueror. You are blessed when you're coming. You're blessed when you're going. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the country. He no longer calls you a servant, but a friend. And as you obey God, everything you put your hands to will prosper. You are an ambassador of the highest kingdom, representing the King of Kings. You're a co-heir with Christ. You are chosen and adopted to be part of the royal family of God. You are sealed with his spirit. You are called by his name. You're a new creation. God's treasure, God's masterpiece. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You've been raised to life with Christ and seated in heavenly places. You will rule and reign with Jesus. You are the light of the world, and in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. You have the mind of Christ, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And nothing Yes, nothing, not fear, not darkness, not famine, not sword, not person, no demon, no sickness, no coronavirus, not even death itself can ever, 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 ever separate you from the love of God that you have in Christ Jesus. And that's a partial list of God's thoughts towards you. Would you stand, stand to your feet? I've got one more scripture. And as you're standing, let me ask you, you just heard a partial list of God's thoughts towards you. Let me ask you, is your thought life in agreement with the way that God thinks about you? Do you think about yourself in those terms? or in terms of your past, your sin, your failure, your missteps, your misdeeds. Because God no longer sees you through that lens. He no longer sees you through that. The blood of Jesus has dealt with it. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're not just picturing a visual image of Jesus. We are fixing our eyes on the finished, completed work of the cross that doesn't need us to add anything to it with our religious works, thoughts, or deeds. It's been completed, fully paid, fully delivered. 
to the blood of Jesus. Does your, do your thoughts about yourself line up with God's thoughts about you? Amos 3.3 says this, can two walk together unless they first agree? If you're gonna follow Christ in the fullness of what he has for you, maybe one of the reasons it's so hard for you to follow him is because you haven't agreed with everything that he thinks about you. And you're still dragging all the old thoughts, lugging them around, lugging them behind you like a sack of rocks. And he says, would you just cast those things? Would you just leave those things? Would you just allow me to renew your mind so that I can transform your life and deliver you to everything that I've called you to be and become and do in the name of Jesus to enjoy the life, the victory, the freedom, the peace, the abundance that I have in my heart, my thoughts towards you. Someone say amen if you're willing to receive it. Hey, let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that anyone today who realizes that there's a thought pattern, there's a mindset that's not the word or the will of God, not your best. I, th I pray that today, Lord, that we would receive this revelation that we could be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The word of God says to bind and loose, that whatever we bind and loose on earth will be done in heavenly places. And so as your pastor, I just, I bind every negative, every critical, every guilty, every shameful thought every negative thought, every pessimistic thought, every thought that God is not who he says he, he is, that he won't do what he says he will do. I bind all those thoughts right now in Jesus' name. I bind them and, I, and now I loose, I, I release, I pray, I speak, I declare your thoughts, your thoughts, Lord. I pray that we would replace the thoughts that the enemy has sown into our life to hinder us and hold us back with your thoughts, what you think, what you think about my heart, what you think about me, what you think about my spouse, what you think about my future, what you think about my obstacle. Lord, we, we just receive it today by faith. Thank you for grace when we stumble. And Lord, thank you that, that today you're revealing some things because you wanna heal some things. And I just say no, no, no to the schemes of condemnation that the enemy has tried to bring upon people. Be set free from condemnation right now, right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, thank you for the grace to begin to think. You, we commit to get in your word so that we can begin to learn to discern where those thoughts are coming from. We can begin to take captive the ones that are gonna lead us down the wrong path. We can begin to replace those thoughts with your higher thoughts. And come on, if you'll commit to and receive and believe for the grace to do that in your life, say amen, say amen. And now before we worship one more time, take a moment and give you an opportunity, those of you who are far from God, to give your life to Jesus, to come home to a heavenly father. Maybe you once knew God, served God, you're what the Bible would describe as a prodigal son or daughter. You've, you've just gotten busy with life or you've just drifted from him. Or maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, never received what it feels like to have the weight of every sin, every sin removed off of you in a way that you, you'll never earn, you can never deserve. It's a free gift, that's the message of the gospel. If that's you in this room, if that's you online, don't wait, right now is your moment, your moment. Right now, lift your hand high towards heaven. Say, that's me, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness, I need a new start, I need a fresh start, I need to be washed clean, I need to be cleansed of all the stuff, all the junk that the enemy's tried to attach to me. Just say, right now, that's me, I receive it. I give you my life, Jesus. I thank you. If you're online joining us and you're giving your life to Jesus, I think it's powerfully important that you might even take a stand up off of your couch or pull over to the side of the road. You might not even be with anyone and lift your hand and allow the Lord to just touch your heart right now. You're not lifting your hand for a person anyways. It's, it's for your Father, your Heavenly Father. 
who, man, he's looking down on you right now and he is so, he's just running to you with open arms, receiving you back into his spiritual family. If you raised your hand, you can lower it. Many hands went up in the room. I trust the same online. Here's what we're gonna do with you folks who gave your life or rededicated it to Jesus today. We're gonna pray this prayer with you. We're not gonna make you just pray it alone. We're gonna pray it as a family because that's what we believe we are. And it's gonna show you. We wanna come alongside you. We're right there with you. And we do it also every week because it reminds us every week that even as we are growing and maturing in our faith, and come on, we're going places in God, that anywhere God could take us and anything he could do or accomplish in us or through us is all built on a foundation of grace, unmerited grace. So come on, let's pray this. Many hands went up in the room. Let's pray it boldly along with them. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior, and I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start, and I give you my life. I give you my trust, and because of Jesus, come on, say it boldly, I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Come on, rejoice with all of heaven for the precious people. Hey, I hope you've been blessed by this series. I hope you'll be back next week for Pastor Richard. Let's worship and make this declaration one more time together, and then Adrian's gonna dismiss us today. Hey, God bless you. We love you.